Hi, my name is Mary H.K. Choi, and you're listening to Hey, Cool Job, a podcast about jobs recorded at Red Bull Arts in New York City. My guest today is Dennis Ngo, chef at D&D, a scorchingly hot Vietnamese restaurant in Brooklyn. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Mary. Hi, I'm so glad you're here. Yay. Thank you for having me. Okay, so last we emailed, you mentioned that you were waiting for a health inspector to come by. Is that still going on? Yeah, yeah, it is. So when you open a restaurant, um, you get an initial inspection by the Department of Health, and they just kind of like sign off, and and then you can open. But then they will make another return visit within the first six months to give you an official grade. Okay, and that's the grade you see plastered on paper. And it always looks like a grade you got on a test test. And it's like very like, I mean, but like anything less than an A is frowned on, right? Yeah, I mean, um, it's a real bad look to not have an A. Right, and so how much pressure are you under presently? Um, You know, surprisingly, you know, it's not that much pressure. We really do try to think proactively and make sure we're handling all of these things. Um, So it really shouldn't be... Um, a problem at all, um, okay. but everybody's just, you know, on thin ice right now. And, you know, and they, the problem with the Department of Health is um, there are very many rules to follow. You know, understandably so. It's food safety. You're feeding the public. But um, a lot of times they're just not enforced evenly. Sometimes they'll get you for one thing. Another time they won't. So it's like super normative and based entirely on the mood of the person with the clipboard. It really is. It's really based on the person. If the person's eating at your restaurant or is a fan or has heard of you, um, Generally, you're like, oh, this is going to be all right. So then you're fine because, yeah. like, you're very much a critical darling. So D&D means let's go eat, and mm-hmm. it's a sister location to Anchoy, a much beloved Lower East Side staple. I've eaten there a bunch of times and also been to your holiday parties. Um, so what are you trying to actually say with the food that you cook? That's a good question. Um, I think for my partners and I... Um, it's really about the Vietnamese American experience that we've had. You know, we're all immigrants, um, but we grew up here. We're the first generation here. And then just not having that, um, just that background of growing up in Vietnam. Um, this is a, a really great way for, I think, for all of us to connect, connect with our culture. And that kind of like really drove like how the food was and how we created the menu. Because it was a lot of like looking back where we grew up in our respective uh, communities. You know, I grew up in Houston. Um, my other partner, Tuan, grew up in Virginia with large Vietnamese populations. And really, we didn't um, invent the wheel or anything. It's just mining all these great memories and meals that we've had back at home. Right, like and, crawfish and bags type situation. Yeah, yeah totally. The good stuff. Um, so you don't get caught up in like, so it's very much a part of the Asian diaspora. And that's like what you're cooking from. Yeah. Okay, and so what dish that's currently on the D&D menu are you most proud of and why? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> it's my it, children. Yeah, yeah, I really can't choose. Um, you know what? The best, I think the best dish right now that I'm the most proud of is it's this Ben uh, Kun. And it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's not really a dish that you see common, but it's a way of eating Ben which are these crepes. Mm-hmm. Typically, you get these crepes, and you get this lettuce, and you get this rice paper, and you get this uh, grilled skewer, and you wrap it all up in the in the rice paper. Um, but we kind of just do it here for you, so you don't have to go through the entire mess. Um, but it's the reason I'm really proud of the dish because it's ta- it's, ta- it's tasting much better these days. Mm. Um, it was already delicious to begin with, but I had it recently, and I was like, oh, this was this is really really good. <laughs> You're like, I am so nice now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, it's, it was such an iterative process to get here and to work with each of the cooks that manned that station throughout our lifespan so far. It's been fun to work with them and then them change little things to make it better or make the station, making that role more efficient. Mm. Um, and just seeing where it is right now and how where it started. Because that's also a really fiddly dish insofar as like the margin of error for like whoever's manning that station and even just like ratios and like textures. And there's just a lot. It's like the pain in the ass quotient is very high. Yeah. You you know, you're working with rice paper, which can kind of have its own mind sometimes. And it can it can just be a nightmare when you get like eight of them. 
right, right, and, together, and you're like, Ugh. And, like Fuck. <laughs> and it's like Friday night, and this your station's just getting killed. But you know, I did that station first originally. Um, that was the station I worked on the line when we opened. And then I I've, I don't work that station right, anymore. Right, right. You're like, I've moved past it. Yeah, yeah totally. I, also, I, it's like, it's like you know, people have to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that the most pain in the ass dish on the menu? Um, I think every dish is a pain in the ass. Um, you know, we really try to do everything from scratch and make it ourselves. Um, but, I mean, all the soups, you know, like, that takes us a lot of time. You know, like, beef soup has to go overnight. And you got to, like... You got to bring in these bones. They're very, very heavy. And then you got to clean the bones, which is like a whole process in itself of just cooking them, like boiling away all the blood and scum. And then you got to transport them. You got to move them to the next step. It's very, it's a very physical dish. Um, and I love that you're sitting here bitching about soup. And meanwhile, your menu is largely soup. And that's really interesting because having that many soup-based dishes on a menu is like a big boss move because broth in any culture is wildly polarizing. And then you have the sort of added sort of margin issue of like people get really mad if you're going to like charge a certain amount of money for a soup-based dish, especially your own people. Yeah. So why go there? Why open the gates and like be like, boom, this is what we're doing? You know, it really just goes back to all of our backgrounds and our respective communities and growing up and being able to get a reliable bowl of pho. Mm. And um, it was such a cure-all. And it's it was frustrating to me that there wasn't a place that I wanted to go quite yet that I could get that soup. You know, so... Um, yeah, you make do. You, yeah. like, fudge it. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, it was just like, I, 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 we need to do this. Um it just seemed very obvious to us that, you know, and I think we got to the point with Vietnamese food here now that um, you're going to start sp- seeing restaurateurs specialize in certain things instead of just being like an all-purpose general Vietnamese menu that has ben mi on it and it has pho and it has this and that, which I think you kind of needed first to get New Yorkers um, a little bit excited about it because a lot, of, a lot of them had not been exposed to it, not having a large Vietnamese population here. And then now you're getting to the point where like, it's you got to bring it. Yeah. And you have to like start specializing in something. You got to kind of put your name down, you put your foot in the ground and be like, Hey, this is what we're standing for. We really put a lot of love and care into making soups. And there's so many good Vietnamese soups. There really are. Yeah. And the, the palate is like the tartness and like the, the richness and it's all across the board. Yeah. There are so many crazy Vietnamese soups. YouTube it. I spend a <laughs> lot of time on YouTube when I get stoned. <laughs> and just watching uh, Vietnamese uh, soup videos. Well, so how how does like an idea or like a kernel of an idea when you're stoned germinate and become a recipe? And then how does that re- recipe become a dish on a menu? Mm. Like how does a bill become a law or whatever the fuck? So that's a good question because we're going through that process right now. Sure. We're, uh, re- you know, we've had the same menu for five months. Um, we've been working on it for, you know, more than a year. And I think a lot of the, I think just to keep us um, super engaged and on our feet, you know, we just decided, I think it's time to revamp the menu, take off some things, put on some new things. Um, but that's risky, like, because you never know. Yeah, but um, I don't know, like, it just, we need that creative outlet. And I think you can just sense it in the cooks that they want to do something new. Um, and I just think that we have so many kick-ass dishes that we are indeed, that we just have in our back pockets that we're just excited for to share with everybody. So like, you know, how does it start? You know, a lot of it's technology based. Um, you know, we're all, we're all on a Slack and then like, I'll be stoned on my couch <laughs> and then I'll just start typing shit out and like, oh, this might sound really good. And then everybody will respond at, at some time. But is it that collaborative? Like who are the people who have to kind of sign off on it though? Like how d- does it start with you? And then it goes to like your two partners? Like- yeah. You know, so I never really worked in a traditional kitchen my upbringing. You know, I kind of got super lucky and just met pe- the right people at the right time. Um, so, like, I don't know how other places work where if it's, like, a, like a chef really driving it and they're making the decision all the time. Right, there's, like, an Excel spreadsheet and tabs yeah. and, like, yeah. That might say something about me. Like, I would, I just don't feel confident about putting something on a menu unless, like, everybody enjoys it. And that includes all the cooks. Um, even though I know I could just put something if I feel really strongly about it. But it's very collaborative sense that, yeah, we're all going to pick it apart together. 
and we all kind of got to sign off on it. Um, really? Before, yeah, I think so. I think that's the best way to do it. So you you might not have like a traditional like chefy background or whatever, but that is rare, right? No, I mean like I've seen a few episodes of Chef's Table. I can sort of like figure out that it's a little more autocratic depending on the person. Not with us. Okay. You know, unfortunately, it's worked out for us. Um, you know, I could see it posing a lot of challenges. But um, no, I think that's how we've been working so far. And I, I feel really good about it. Is it interesting kind of like where you're like, you know, I don't know, it's like the chill in the air and you're like, huh, I think that we should make a change. And then the other people are also like around that time being like, you know what, I've been thinking we should make a change. And it's like, it's kind of weird how humans pick up on that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it was just uh, uh, everybody knew it was time. So there are obviously like food trends and like seasonal influences and things like that. But like, how do you stay focused on the food that you want to make versus what you know will just sell or be popular? Because, you know, what you were saying about the Asian um, diaspora is like you do kind of have a responsibility to be like, this is what we fuck with. And you might not know about it. And this is what I think you should like learn about, even though maybe you want like something a lot more comfortable. Hmm. I mean, there are a lot of dishes, yeah, right now that I think um, we've been using a lot of like the fermented fish sauce, which like the whole anchovy. Mm -hmm. It's really, really funky. Um, but you can make a really great dressing with it if you, you know, doctor it up with some sweetness, some pineapple. We throw in there and some like aromatics. Super tasty, but it's super, super funky. Um, I love it. I started putting it all on the new menu, but I'm not sure if... People are going to be really into it. Um, but there's a part of you that's like, you know what? You should be into this. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like it's, you know, it's, I'm not, it's not my job to like tell people how to eat or what they should like or what they shouldn't like, but it's fucking good. And um, you should get on board. Yeah. Like, so like, I think we have to try to share that kind of stuff and try to like, you know, use the things that we find really, really interesting and that, you know, I think other people would be interested in. And like this whole, whole anchovy fish sauce, it's super tasty. But it's got that stank to yeah, it. Yeah, but that rich, mellow stank, yeah. It's pretty dank stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, in the <laughs> bottle, it's double bottled, you know? So, like, there's a cap and then there's another cap. Right, right, right. Just to be like, this can't, we can't fuck this up. Right, 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 because you're, you're like, it just gets out and then it's out forever. Yeah. So, like, let's talk a little bit, you know, I know I know your food from way back, like, um, Houston, not Houston, like, oh. your barbecue days, your trophy bar days. Shout out Lin Yi. Um very, very cool person. Uh, what is your, like, yeah, what kind of food culture did you grow up in? Like, uh, your family, the type of stuff you guys ate, like, the whole thing. Uh, you know, I was an extremely picky eater growing up, so I did not really, like, really start enjoying food until I got to college. Huh, interesting. And then I was in Austin, and then I remember my girlfriend at the time took me to um, Mushishino, it was this Japanese place in Austin, and I'd never had sushi before. Um, and I was like, fuck, this shit's really good. I should, like, start trying to, like, <laughs> I should start trying all this stuff now. Um, so then that, I think that just, like, I, d I got into food very late. But um, it's interesting how your palate changes from the time you were a kid. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's wild. Um, yeah, a lot just, I was so picky when I was young. I guess, like, what kind of food culture did you grow up in? Because that wasn't Houston then. That was like when you're at UT and all that stuff. Yeah. So like in Houston, I mean, it was like, you know, my mom just making all this delicious Vietnamese food um, that I still didn't like super appreciate at the time. But I just remember a lot of like her home cooking and then her just, you know, a lot of our memories are just going out to eat, trying all these great Vietnamese restaurants. And I was just really um, not having it. Yeah. Not having it at the time or not appreciating it so much and just being able to like hear your your language spoken everywhere you're going in a certain area of town. Um, but how does the fact that you kind of like didn't appreciate it and then came back to it sort of inform the way you cook now? Mm. Do you like appreciate it more? Is it just like, or are you like surprised by the things that you miss from like childhood or like is nostalgia a big part of like why you cook? For sure. You know, like I think everybody's trying to, you know, all these dishes are very personal. Um, these are things that, you know, like I said, we brought from from where we grew up. So, like, when I do make these dishes, there's a dish we're trying to nail right now that's from Houston. What um, is it? It's the fried rice cake and eggs. It's at this one re this one restaurant, I swear, that's all they do and that's all they make. It's Ben Bochian. Um, shout out Tan Tan. Um, that's all they make and every table gets it. And it's just super good. But um, 
trying to nail that rice cake has been really difficult. But anyways, I mean, that's the dish like, you know, I would go eat after I've been, you know, going out in Houston and it's open late night. And just like that connection of, you know, memories yeah. of eating this dish. I mean, that definitely drives a lot of the menu when I think about it from that perspective. It's just things that I enjoyed and there's a, a nice memory associated with it. No, of course, it's kind of like that whole like Proustian Madeline. It's like, I'm just looking for this freaking dish that's yeah. so hard to find. So you did not go to culinary school. No, I didn't. Okay. How did, how did cooking find you? Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I, I was working in management information systems consulting. Whoa. Yeah. So Where I, were you like at PricewaterhouseCoopers or something? I, I was at Accenture. Okay. <laughs> um, I'd been there for seven years and I think I was, I was like up for manager. And oh my God. I, your poor parents, they yeah. must've been horrified. And then I was, it, it, it dawned me one day, I was like, there's no way I want to be a manager. I, I can't do these things. I was starting to lead meetings. I was like, I, I can't believe these people are <laughs> listening to me. Um, so I, I just knew I needed to do something different. Um, for whatever reason, cooking always gravitated towards me. Like it's something that I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm working with my hands. Um, and then I just, you know, I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. So Accenture at that time, after you stayed for a certain time, they would give you a three-month sabbatical that you could take. So I took a three-month sabbatical. Um, and this is in Houston? Yeah, this is in Houston. Okay. Um, but I was already up in New York by this time. So um, that the great thing about Accenture was I traveled so much. So I was constantly in New York. And it, it, they got me to New York. So shout out to Accenture for that. Because like, <laughs> I don't think I would have made it up to New York otherwise because just all my clients were here. Um, so I, I remember I took the sabbatical. And then I was reading on Eater at the time. As you do. Yeah. yeah. So, and then there was like, they were writing about this Vietnamese restaurant opening in Williamsburg um, by, this kid, by this guy named Vin. And I was like, oh, Vin, who lives out in California now? That yeah, Vin? Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, I was like, oh, cool. Um, I'm going to figure out how to meet this guy somehow. And I shit you not, like, a couple days later, I was on this really crappy date. And then I, for some reason, we were, we ended up at, um, I think it was Sugarburg or I forgot what it was. It was a, just a bar in Williamsburg. And then I, I was going to have a smoke. And then I, I, ru I run into Vin. And I somehow figure out that it's Vin from that article. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm opening a restaurant. I was like, oh, I'm really interested in, like, cooking. Um, you know, I'll come wash dishes for you. And that worked? Because, I mean, conceivably, you had never cooked a thing in your life in a professional manner. Yeah, yeah. No, it totally worked. And um, Did you wash dishes? I did wash dishes okay. for Vin for a little bit. And I was a really terrible dishwasher. But what restaurant was this? This was Silent H. Okay. Yeah. It was on North 9th and Barry, And this is at a very different time in Williamsburg's yeah, life. Yeah, 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 totally. And how, I mean, like, how does a trajectory even come out of that? Yeah, so, you know, it was, um, you know, just plugging at it. So, like, my sabbatical ended, and then I went back to work for a year, and I was like, fuck this, I'm out. You know, like, I said. That's I, fascinating. Did you have, like, a, a contract to, like, play out or something? No, no, no. It was just, um, you You're know. You're like, I'm going to need some money. I need some money. You're <laughs> totally right. Um, you know, I worked a little bit more. I saved all my money. And I, I remember I had like, uh, I had saved like ten thousand dollars. I was like, "That's it. That this can get me through for a while. I can just work at Vin's." And I was like, "You don't even have to pay me. Just let me come in, and I'll just wash dishes." And God bless Vin. He, uh, he, he let me come wash dishes for a little bit. And then how does that even turn into like cooking a thing? Yeah. So I don't know. Like I, you know, just like in any other kitchen, I'm sure someday I don't, I don't remember the exact time or like the circumstance, but I'm sure like someday somebody did not show up. And Vin had to put me on the, you know, put me on a task cooking, which I knew would happen at some point. Right, right, right. You're just like, I'm just going to lurk. Yeah. So like I was just totally lurking, just washing dishes. And then I'm sure something happened. And cool. I have a new responsibility. I had to do this and this. And then slowly, I think he, he showed me every single station. Were you immediately good? No, I was terrible. But then why? why like, okay, so you're, you're just your fundamental interest in food kind of made you keep going? That and, you know, I think at the time... Um, you were a young lad in I New was York. Young, yeah, yeah, the hours are good, right? The hours are good, the camaraderie. Yeah. Um, I think that's when I really met, like, a lot of, like, my really, really good friends now. Um, yeah, so, like, I, I think I never experienced that as a young adult at the time. Like, I was not having that much fun or meeting people at my, my job at Accenture. Um, so do you ever think about what your life would have been like? It would have been so different. And dude, you know, it was pretty close to coming back because, um, dun, dun, dun. yeah, it's, 
it's a, it's been a very long road. So like, you know, go back to said, I was not very good at it um, to begin with. But, you know, I had somebody that was super understanding. I had, I've had people along the way be very understanding and more than helpful. So how many years did it take before you're like, shit, I guess I'm doing this for real now? Uh, you know, I think it's probably um, pretty recent. <laughs> it's been like a... Fair. You know, I for a while I was selling, you know, you know, it, brisket sandwiches at a flea market. No, I know. You know, that's you know, that's not like Smorgasburg a and yeah, all that. Yeah, Brooklyn. Flea. That's not a that's not a long career path. Yeah, that was pretty recent too. I mean, also like I'm washed, so that feels recent, but it was like several years ago. Yeah. Um. So, how do your like you know I joke about it, but how do your parents feel about the optics? Like you. I mean, like, conceivably, you're supposed to be a businessman, and now you're in, like, kind of a first-generation job. Like, do they struggle with that? Uh, I mean, not so much anymore. Mm. Um, they definitely had to come around to it. There was a lot of years of, like, I don't want to, I do not want to talk to you about this. Right. Um, and I think it's, like, any other, any other parent, it's, like, when you can start showing that this can be financially responsible for yourself and you're not going to be homeless. They kind of came around. That's uh, that's the bar to clear with a lot of these jobs. Yeah, yeah. but it, the, opening the restaurant though, that was I think they were actually proud of. Okay, so on that, like, it was it's kind of wild, like how well received this restaurant is, and when you see lines around the block, yeah, and it's your brand spanking new restaurant, do you worry about like how like faddish like and volatile restauranting, especially being like a critical darling out the gate? Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. Sometimes I wish, like, shoot, I kind of wish nobody was writing about, like, talked about us. Like, we got, like, very, you know, just no press. You got so much press. There was a lot. Between, like, you know, between, like, the interiors to, like, oh, holy shit, like, there's so much soup on this menu to, like, every, like, all the right people wrote about you at the gate, which, that's a lot of scrutiny. It is, and it's a lot to live up to, um... And, you know, it was it was very much well appreciated, but it does create a lot of pressure. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, we're into the next wave now. So, like, are we going to get a review? Um, you know, so now it's like this anxiety of, like, I'm not sure, like, how we got all this great press first. But it's now it's like we could be like the old kids. On, I mean, because, like, the the New York restaurant scene, it's just like crazy. It's so crazy. Like you're, you're new and then you're not new very quickly. Yeah. And then you're old and washed super yeah. quickly until someone famous decides, Oh, this is the place again. And then it becomes like unmanageable. And then your really like, core customers get tired of you. It's yeah. like such, <laughs> such a slippery slope. So do you ever fantasize about cooking in a place where like competitive restauranting isn't such a blood sport? Uh, no, it keeps you, it keeps you sharp. Yeah. I mean, but also it's like you get high on this and that's it for you. It is fun. I, you know, I kind of do enjoy, uh, the competitive nature with the other Vietnamese restaurant tours. Really? Is it beef? Like, do you guys talk? There's no beef at all. Right. Um, but like, I, I'm sure you guys can read about it on the internet, (laughs) Um, but I'm not part of any of that stuff, but, um, yeah, just Google it. Um, but no, it's, it's a fun competition and I think it's, Really cool the the community that we're starting to build here because now you you are really starting to see some specialized Vietnamese restaurants. Yeah, I think it's super nice. cool. Yeah, so like the Vietnamese food is only going to get better here. Totally, and so we all win. So do you feel you know speaking of pressure, but like as someone who's cooking Asian food as an Asian, not living in Asia, do you ever feel any pressure as it relates to like credibility? Uh, like and no. really no. So so. You know, okay, so let's take something like Asian fusion, which is like a terrible term, and it's like a really dirty word at this point, and it like presumes a lot of things, like a pan-Asian identity, creates erasure, and it can be super reductive, but then you and I, like, let's be honest, like kimchi fried rice with like cheese and like hot links and furikake and like butter and like all that mm-hmm. stuff is fucking amazing. Yeah. Partly because we smoke weed, but do you actually care as a person about cultural appropriation in food? Um, sure. I mean, it's it's definitely a concern. Um, I don't think it. Mm. It's like it has to bother you public facing, but then personally, like, does it actually bother you? You know, the the people that are supposed to succeed are going to succeed. So, you know, and I think a lot of it is just based on your ethic, your work ethic and how you immerse yourself in that cuisine. 
Mm. Um, if you're going to spend the time learning it and immersing yourself in it, and you're going to be successful cooking somebody else's cuisine, I think that's fine. Right, like a pock pock situation. Yeah. It's like, come on, this dude like lives there. Yeah, he yeah. lived there. Like he's, you know, he he spent the time. He put in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, so he deserves all the success he gets. And I, there's no, I don't think there's any problems with that. How do you conduct research as a person who's like thinking about recipe and food and all that stuff? Like, what's your process like? It's very shameful to say this, um, but YouTube. Really? Yeah. Tell me, tell me, like, walk me through your the whole thing. I mean, once I discovered just the vast knowledge of YouTube, um, who who are you looking at predominantly? <laughs> you know, I don't even know. Like, there's there's this woman, Helen's recipes. Um, <laughs> shout out Helen's. Yeah, recipes. shout out yeah. Helen's recipes. Um, she, you know, we actually went to Vietnam and took a tour with her sister. And, really? Like, yeah. All and I like super geeked out about it, but um. Anyways, Helen's Recipes has, like, just a lot of interesting, um, just food videos about current trends in Vietnam, so you can see, like, what the current street, like, food is there, and, like, they're so far ahead of us, and, like, they're making just weird things. That's amazing. Like, what? Like, name name something where you're like, holy shit, I'm super into this. So this one's, they're grilling bread. It's just, like, grilled bread. That sounds and delicious. What's not to like? I don't know. It just never occurred to me to like grill bread and then put a shit ton of mayo on top of just it. Just like an open flame, like yeah. Well, also mayo on the outside. That's like an old white people trick with the, the yeah. grilled cheese. I mean, I'm some. Nah, I guess I'm not surprised that, that sounds, it's delicious. <laughs> I mean, it's really fatty and it's crispy. Um, Especially like white bread, where it just like in the crannies. Yeah, that's really. I don't like. I I don't fuck with mayo because I'm just like oh that like white devil stuff. But then when you cook it, it's so magical. It is. Yeah, I take mean, a flame just... to mayo. So yeah, that that's a. I, I think that's a weird one. And what um, else? Just like one other random thing. Oh, uh, I'm sure. Let me think. <laughs> You're like, did I mention I was a weedhead? I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I can. I can't think of another one. Do right you? Now. Okay. So do you ever get writer's block for recipes? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. I don't think I. I'm sure I will at some point. <laughs> As um, I jinx you, and yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'll run out of things to mind from my head and experiences that, you know, I've had. Um, but I just don't see that happening anytime soon. You really? know, like I said, because I'm not, I'm not creating any of these things. You know, I, I'm not a chef. I know what I'm good at. I'm not a chef that can uh, take ingredients and then come up with this brand new thing that you've never had before. You know, I'm really good though at taking something I've eaten and something that I really enjoy too and just kind of honoring it and making sure I do the best job as like a steward of that dish. So from that wow. sense, it's just like I'm I'm just going to keep cooking things that are already there. Right. Look at this open source motherfucker yeah. right here. And, like, that, and that's it. That's all I need to do. Right. I'm just a vessel and a conduit. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Well, fine. Like you're not super anxious about it. But like what fears, if any, keep you up at night as it relates to this job? Oh, dude, there's so many. Really? Tell yeah. me. Tell me some. Oh, tell come me on. Some. You, there's like... You have to wear so many hats opening a restaurant. Yeah, you know? it's so scary. My parents are restaurateurs. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both. Where? In um in San Antonio. They have warring sushi restaurants that are really close to each other. Like they're the people they serve fully overlap. And oh, and they're so still funny. married. Yeah. They're they're together. They just have these restaurants. Is it common knowledge though that your it's your your parents own both the warring restaurants. I don't or, think so. No, yeah. I don't think it's. The, people have very different opinions about them, so it's it's funny. And they're just laughing behind counting <laughs> the money, like it's all coming in the same place. No, exactly. My mother just like with a like a visor and like a calculator or an abacus. Yeah. No, um, but like, what am I worried about? Yeah. Like you know, equipment breaking. Um, there's just so many crazy things that happen in a restaurant all the time. Um. And it's live. There's like no practice. It's just happening all around you constantly. There are literally hundreds of people in on a daily, ba- you know, 150 to 200 people on a daily basis cycle through that place. And just like when you put that many people in a confined space, shit happens. Yeah, like, man. Stuff just, you know, that one in a million shot. Well, it's going to happen because you've had like this many people here at some point. So how many how many like. Seats, seatings do you have in like a particular like dinner rush? So like it's it's 70 seats and depending on the night, you know, like a really busy night, you'll do like three to three and a half turns. So you get to like 200 to 210 people. When you're in the kitchen, what does that feel like? Um, so shout out to our kitchen. It feels very smooth and easy. It's a well, Shut up. It is a well-oiled machine. Um, there, How? There are never any hiccups because, you know, we were... 
I'm not to toot our home. We were just smart about it. Just like try to make things efficient, try to make the pickups just like idiot proof it. Because to like again, going back to Vietnamese food, like there's so much like mies. Yeah. There's so many fiddly little freaking herbs. Like yeah. it's so many things. Like so tell me like one process that you're like, it's like it's like cornering on rails that's just you're so proud of. Um you know, like, I think it's going back to the soups and the soup production that we have to do, the amount of liquid that has to get transported back and forth and moved around, um, I think is, it's, it's a scale that I don't think I could have ever imagined um, would be possible in the limited amount of space that we have. Is it like kind of like when you're cutting gift wrapping paper and your scissors just glide where yes. you're like, oh. <laughs> it is. Um, so it's like ASMR broth making. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so streamlined now. And I'm just so proud of the AM guys who really, shout out to Richie, um, you know, he's the one that holds it. He has to come there at seven in the morning every mm. day and make sure that everything's turned on, everything's correct, and then finish it. Um, just and then you have, just come in with your spoon and you just like... That's literally what we do. We just come in with a spoon and we taste it. And um, you do have a little gavel that you thwack where you're like, this will not do. You know, luckily I've never had to use it. Really? Yeah. That's... Rich, Richie's always handled it. So how do you even find a Richie? So the crazy thing is he found me. How? I, I think he was just being a smart dude and he was looking, I think, to get a new... Are you his Vin? What's going on here? Yeah. So, you know, I really believe in that. You know, I've had a lot of people, like I said, take me under, my, under their wing and get me to where I'm at. So, like, I think, you know, that's another beautiful part of cooking that I really enjoy. It's the mentorship, working with the younger people and just like... Seeing them not only grow professionally, but as a person. Right, right, right. Becoming a well-rounded human being yeah, in this it world. Keep, it keeps me young, I feel like, for sure. Right on. So is Richie Vietnamese? Richie is Vietnamese. Okay. So Richie found us on Instagram. I think huh. he was just looking at our Instagram. He's like, oh, that's a cool Vietnamese place. I've always wanted to like work in restaurants. So we actually applied for the front, front of house and back of house. Oh, wow. He's like, he was just like one. I was like, I'll take anything. And then um, we took him and, you know. How long did it take? To like mold him into the Richie that took, he is now. Well, it took about six months. Okay. Um, and it's amazing because he can cook everything in the restaurant, but he's never been on the line. So, but he knows how to make every single thing. So, do you ever get scared of then a Richie being like, nah, fuck you, and then starting his own spot? No, not at all. Because, like I said, I'm, we're just, I'm just being a steward of the dish. Like, sure, he could go do it. Um, but like, you, you know, like there's, you just need so much infrastructure to do these things. So it's mm. not like, great, you could have the recipe, but like, what are you going to do with it? You need this, this, and this. And it takes a lot of money to build all that kind of stuff. So like a lot of the time to execute, just like executing these things, it's just, you have the right infrastructure. You have the right tools. So did you build the D&D kitchen from scratch? No, we didn't. Um, we took the space and it had already been an existing place. So it was like a turnkey situation. Mm. So like I did get to build the line the way I wanted but I was constrained by where already all the infrastructure was and where the kitchen was. So, you know, with that, all that being equal, like what should be your first priority if you have the privilege of at least structuring a line or something? Like as far as mechanics go, like what's something that you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad I have this like every second of every day. I mean, you're getting some nerdy questions. About, I love about process. <laughs> Sorry. Like, it's just like, this is the stuff I'm fascinated yeah, it's by. It's funny because I was talking to you about it today. Um, the dish pit needs to be done correctly. And our dish pit, um, you know, shout out to Lloyd, who our dishwasher, it is not in a good setup right now. And mm. just for the volume we're doing, God bless his soul. Um, he just, he has to do a, a two-man job as one person. So he's bleeding. Yeah, he's, li he's literally bleeding. Uh, yeah, he was bleeding earlier today, actually. Well, that's, that's the funny. thing. I mean, the reason why I ask questions about like protocols and modalities isn't because I'm like, it's, it's because it will kill you. Yeah. Like that little cog being out of place during service like everyone will be in the shit and then everyone, it just goes pear-shaped so fast. Yeah, it really is funny how it is um, just a snowball effect if, if you don't have every part working the most efficient way. Totally. So what is your working relationship like with the, the people at the front of your house, the two partners? Oh, it's wonderful. So yeah, my partners, if you're asking about my partners in general, like Twan and Kim. Yeah, Twan and Kim. Um, no, it's From great. From Anchoy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's great. You know, I think... Um, we all kind of have our, you know, we had, we made sure we talked about everything. This is something I learned. Um, you know, we made sure we wrote everything down and we talked about everything. I, we spent a lot of time talking about random situations, like uh, how would that affect us and blah, blah, blah. So I think we got, I think we were able to start off on a very good foot and be very clear about 
I'm going to be doing this. You're going to be doing that. This is my thing. This is what I have to worry about. You worry about what you got to do. And so we, it's totally we don't, transparent. And, and we don't overlap. Okay. So what advice would you give chefs who go into business with owners? Because there's a lot of like drama. There's a lot of charlatans. There's yeah. a lot of people who just want to like dick swing and be like, I'm a restaurateur now. And it goes bad fast. Like what are some tips or like red flags that you should watch out for? Yeah. And it's really difficult to open a place without partners. There's just so many things you have to do. And if you're a chef, you want to concentrate on what you do really, you know, what you're good at. That's cooking. So, um, you know, what would I suggest um, when you're trying to work with friends? Um, I think, like I said, just making sure that you get everything in writing. You talk about everything. Um, make sure everything's, like, super clear. You have to, like, over-communicate on stuff. Um, just repeating things over and over just to, like, make sure that everybody's on the same page. Um, yeah, it's like a marriage. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's like my... Besides my relationship with my, my parents and my, you know, my partner, Ollie, you know, that, that, that's my next important relationship. Right. My relationship with my business partners. No, totally. I mean, and when you start a business, you're like, you know, it's like Thelma and Louise going off the canyon. It's yeah. like, all right, like totally. Um, what kind of, you know, I, I'm picturing all these like soup bones and giant troughs and I, I, I want more information on the background. Like what kind of music do you listen to in your kitchen? Oh man, it's all over the place nowadays. Is that uh, is there a hierarchy set to like who who can be responsible for that? There needs to be because right now there isn't. And <laughs> You're like my dish the, pit and the fucking scoring. Dude, yeah, that 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 that's been a that's been a, a point of we just we were just talking about the music today. I was because <laughs> last night our bartender and our and our uh, our our host they got into it about the music because they're they're both changing the music on the Sonos. And th- which creates volatility yeah. out on the floor. Yeah, and totally. Then the bartender, my the head, the head, you know, Wayne, he was like, You're not doing this again. I'm playing my music. So um That's a little bit of housekeeping that you guys have to figure yeah, out. Yeah, we gotta figure that out. We do need a hierarchy because it's all over the place. But like what kind of music? I don't know. I've been listening to what most of my staff listens to, and it's a lot of hip hop that I had not been previously exposed to. Like what? Like soundcloud youthful no, tattoos on I, no, face it's, people things? it's normal stuff that people are listening to but i just i stopped listening to hip-hop right because we're ago. old yeah dude i'm old so like um you know i i discovered travis scott through them and like <laughs> i was like dude this is really good and it, there's a houston connection <laughs> sure for me so like it's astroworld that's where i used to go um that's hilarious so roller coaster so like i really appreciate that on their side Okay, right on. So how old are the people who are working for you? Dude, they're all in like their 20s. They're so little, they're right? So young. They're so little. So, you know, there's so much talk of like, you know, how there's different industries and like all the toxic stuff that's like inherent in each. Like, how do you create a positive environment in something as truly volatile as a kitchen during service? This is another point of pride that I have. And that's making sure that, yes, we always have to keep a super positive attitude in the kitchen so you're There's, not like screaming and yeah, going dude, crazy no screaming no uh you know calling each other names and shit um give feedback but give it in like a constructive way um and don't like put people down man just don't just don't be an asshole yeah and um i'm so blessed that everybody that works with me is into that kind of mentality we've actually had some people and we had to weed but they get weeded out naturally right. just because like dude don't don't fucking um don't be a dick yeah yeah just don't be a dick also like you're in such like finite little sardine can playing with fire and knives like yeah (laughs) yeah we just you don't need to bring on any unnecessary negative energy into a kid it's so difficult already Mm. um to get through a service and get through prep and it's it's such a difficult job it's physical if you're not like in a place that at least you know you feel good then like you're, you're gonna make you know shitty food probably Totally. It yeah. totally comes out. So, yeah, it's like basically any magical realism movie. It's stuff. The stuff comes out in the fucking food. Yeah. Um, what is the hardest part about being the boss of a kitchen or just being a boss in a situation like this? Um, You know, I think, you know, there's. What's the hardest part? What is my hardest part in working with these guys? I mean, it's something, it's, it's dumb stuff. Yeah, but what is it? It's like managing their schedules. And yeah, it's like always such a pain in the ass. Trying to like accommodate everybody's like, I need this day off. And they're always like really good reasons. But um, 
I forgot how difficult it is to manage like a team and like get everybody's. And I, I really do believe that, you know, you need to work manage, you know, five days a week. Nobody should be working six days a week. Oh shit. You just need that two days off. Um, but yeah, that's been, that's been a, just like a, a little pain in the butt. All like the like administrative stuff of like running a team. Totally. So what are you like as a boss as it relates to like people making their way up certain stations? Like, is it like Jiro dreams of sushi where it's like, oh, to do the eggs, it's like three years or whatever. No, no. Um, you know, we we're in a situation where there, I think there's a bit of a shortage in like qualified restaurant employees. Um, you know, so it was very difficult um, getting cooks. Um, not to say that, you know, like our cooks are like, you know, you know, like our, like we started off poorly. It's just, um, you know, it was hard to find cooks in the beginning. So really we were open to anybody as long as they showed motivation and were willing to learn. Right. So if they're teachable and reliable, yeah. you're in. Yeah. Like I don't really care about anything else. Like, you know, it's great if you've worked in a kitchen. It's great that if you've been around, you've like worked a, you know, you've worked a busy kitchen on, you know, New York on Saturday night. That's great. But like. If you don't know anything about the food or you're just, you're very fresh or very raw, you know, like, I don't care as long as you're open to constructive feedback and um, just having, being motivated all the time. So you're working with a sense of urgency. But so you're, but it sounds like you're pretty laid back because it's like you could, because it can really go a lot of different ways. Like if you get all of this, like really, really positive, glowing review out the gate in a town that loves to then tear you down. You know, you could become really fearful and white knuckly and controlling and all that stuff. And it sounds like you, you were just kind of like, all right, like, we'll see where this goes. Yeah, no, totally. That's, yeah. <laughs> You're like, correct. That's me. Um, do you ever sit down and just read all your Yelp reviews? Fuck yeah. Do you? Yeah, I, Why? Read, I read everything. And ha- does it not affect you? I mean, I think, you know, in your heart of hearts, you know what, like, how you feel about something. Like, maybe, oh, shit. Maybe they did, you know, maybe that is right, you know. Like what? What's like a perfect example? Because there's always the like, I wish I could get this place one star because I called this thing and they didn't add, let me add this. And clearly the person's being a complete basket case. But what was an no. example where you read a Yelp review and you're like, okay, that relates to the food and I agree with them? I can't remember the specific one, but I think it goes back to one of the Ben Seokuns and that that role just being so really tricky for service um because you roll in on the spot so i think a lot of feedback just how it was constructed um saying it needed texture or something it just felt like so anyways it sounded you know i was like oh when i read it, i was like oh she's totally making sense right you were like i can see exactly where we went wrong here yeah, yeah. so i think that i think you know you read everything with a grain of salt um you know you take it all in i think it's really good anytime you get feedback it's good whether you agree with it or not, you know, it's whatever. But I think you it, it's pretty easy to tell which ones are, mm. shoot, all right, kind of fucked up there. All right, you're like, bet, fair, yeah. Yeah, but, um, you know, I think it's important to read all those things. And we we definitely all read them. You got to read them. Really? Yeah, because, like, they could be talking about front of house stuff, too, that you, you know, even yeah. though I cook, I'm in the back in the kitchen, I need to know what the hell's going on up in the front as well. It's very rare. You got to realize I I've only eaten there once interesting yeah like so like to sit there and eat is a totally different experience i have no idea how it is really like what that synchronicity feels like or and i'm never gonna know because like it's not like i'm gonna wear a disguise and come in i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna get like the owner treatment so like right 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 you're like no totally of course um what's family meal like um it's gotten a lot better why what was your trajectory for that oh because in the beginning it was just so busy so like we just Got to make, make kanji, make kanji, make kanji. Oh, it's like 11 parts uh, water, one part rice. <laughs> right, right, Done. right. Just Put, leave it on there. Keep, yeah. keep going. Um, no, it's it's gotten much better. You know, we've gotten a bunch of new cooks in from all different backgrounds. So um, it's gotten a lot better and everyone's taking a lot of pride in it. And um, Are you ever surprised at how discerning someone's palate can become for Vietnamese food as someone who's like not has nothing to do with like the food that you grew up with oh yeah um and do they ever like add something and you're like whoa that's amazing yeah yeah so like uh there's one there's the hot guy jimmy um and he's irish i think and he's hot he's hot yeah yeah jimmy's <laughs> hot um but yeah he wears the hotline and then he i think he, you know i don't know i don't know what his background in cooking was um before I, he worked like in banquets but 
um, God bless him. He didn't really know too much about about Vietnamese food, but he's been really adding just a lot of like different perspective. He's huh. he's been working on one dish right now. Um, and I think he's using a little bit of his like Italian roots in it. I'm like, who is this white interloper? <laughs> so like, yeah, just I think everybody brings a really cool perspective about, you know, based on where they cook. And it's always applicable in any type of cuisine, you know, because all the concepts are the same. Oh, that's you know, interesting. Like you, you, need this, you need these basic things to make things taste good. But, you know, it's just like, you know, you, you use what you have around you. So, um, yeah, Jimmy's done really well. So you're not like precious about cuisine. No, I mean, there's things you shouldn't fuck with, but like, you know, at the same time, like, there are people are always making up new dishes in Vietnam and no one's being like, oh, that's not for real. You know, like, it's, right, right, yeah. right, right, so right. Like, there's no like credibility issue, like yeah. when you're in Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. So like you can do, you know. The, the world is your oyster. So do you ever have days where you feel as though you failed? And, oh. and what happened on those days to make you feel that way? I feel like I'm failing all the time. Why? Because there's just so many things that do you like. We do, could be we could be doing better every day, you know. Do you just like play back the tape in your head every night? You, I don't. Tr- no, not you can't do that because then you just never sleep. Yeah, you're just dead. Um, no, like, yeah, you know, it, every day it's super challenging. There's just always something that we could be doing better. Um, there's something that we can always be tightening up and it's just finding the right amount of time in between, you know, because before when we were starting this, it was just like you had all this time and now it's just like, got to get through service, but we want to start doing new things. So like, how do we find the time to do that? Um, so it's just been really, really tough. Um, how tired are you right now? I, it, not too bad. Why? I've been getting days off. Huh? Yeah. So like the team's pretty stable now. So, um. I'm able to get some time off. Was that recent though? Yeah, it's pretty recent. So I think this was the first week. Last week was the first week that I did not come in at all on a Sunday. How did that feel? It felt wonderful. What did you make to eat for yourself that day? Or what did you eat? I, did, I didn't make myself anything to eat. I, I, somebody else made it for me. That's the best. Yeah, twice. <laughs> I love that that's like the most indulgent yeah. and decadent thing you can think of. You're like, someone ate, else cooked for me twice. I ate out both meals today. Fire. Um, well, how do you avoid burnout in a job that's like notorious for it? Well, I think, you know, it's making sure you have the right amount of time off. And, you know. Were you a mess before you had that day off? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. I was super <laughs> tired. I was super grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. God bless Alia. She, um, she really had to like deal with a lot of grumpiness. No, that's so real. Um, but yeah, dude, you you need everybody needs to really have five days, five days on, two days off. So, I'm, I'm really happy that we've been able to make it work here with on that schedule, and and still be like on and popping. Like you guys are yeah. still really popular. Yeah. Um, would you ever want like a mega D and D outpost in like Vegas? Sure. Sign me up. Really? Yeah. So you're not like that person who's like, Wah, no, no, no. You just want to get rich. I mean, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, that doesn't guarantee that you'll get rich, yeah, that's that, for sure. That, yeah. yeah, that's, you know, that that could not work out very well as well. But no, um, I'm not opposed to making money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so difficult and it's such a gamble. So um, if I can do what I love and make some money at the same time, I, I that's, that's the dream. Okay, awesome. What is a common misconception that people have about chefs? Um, that we yell. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yell. Okay. I'm pretty I think the, I th- I think that yelling phase is over. It's now. kind of like 80s 90s, right? That whole like yelling thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I, that's something I'm super proud about as well. Like there's no yelling. Mm. What's the worst money job you took that was still in the food industry? The worst money job. Yeah, either either you were just like, "Ugh, this is bad for personal morale," or you were just like, "This job actually physically sucks to do every day." <laughs> Um, we did, we did one of those, so this is when we were at Smorgasburg, we did one of those, um, South Street Seaport ones. Oh, right. That's really hit and miss. Yeah. And it's just, you were, you had to be there every day and, um, just outside yeah. and it was like 12 hours a day. And it's like a wind vortex sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and I didn't even work those shifts. I, I had to set it up and my buddy worked it for me. Oh man. Um, so God bless him. He, yeah, I can't believe he did it for the whole summer, but that one was like, uh, this. And this, did that even make any money? Like it did. Okay. It, yeah. it wasn't like, I wasn't like, you know, find a Lamborghini or anything, but, um, 
you know, it paid for everything and we made a little scratch. I mean, you just, it's so challenging running. The margins are so thin and those things are just super challenging. You just don't know how it's going to be. Yeah, it's really volatile. Are you making like actual paper now? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> Perfect. Not not even close. I, you know, I we started, you know, the the partners and I started paying ourselves. Hey. Yeah, so like that's I think that's pretty good. That you is know, really like, good. That's we made a job for ourselves. That's no small feat in yeah. restaurants, man. Especially like, like how recent this is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So what are your, like, what are th- three dishes that best captures your career? Uh, ooh, okay. Um, that brisket sandwich from Lone Star and formerly H&H. That one, um, that was like my first job in cooking. And then I was making some money doing it. Um, I was like, oh, wow. I don't have to like struggle like on the line. Um, I can just kind of do this and figure this out. So that was really, really what started me down this path. Also, I've oh. had your brisket. It is tremendous. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it, it's super tasty. And that, definitely that dish. We'll go down number one. Number two, I really like this pho thin dish that we have at D&D. Um, you know, I think it's a really true um good representation of the dish that we had in Hanoi. And it's just like, it's, it's such an interesting, different take on pho that I thought I was n- not going to enjoy. Um, What's different about it? It's the, uh, they walk through the beef. So you get some of the wok, wok, hui, wok yeah, hei, yeah, yeah. in the, in the soup. And it's, there's a shit ton of scallions on it. A, mm. Just like a lot of, a lot of scallions. And uh, the be- the the broth ends up being kind of fatty, but then it's still very light as well. Because it's time. like green and char. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, that sounds. It's good. super good. And then you get like an egg yolk on it, um, and you just like kind of mix the egg yolk in, and it's it, it makes it super creamy and it's super good. So, and yeah. the third, um, the third, um, you know, we're gonna on the new menu. There's this short rib dish that we're we're about to put on, and um, it's. It's for two people, and I'm kind of excited to see if um, people are going to be into it because it's a lot of that fermented stuff. And but I think it's, it comes in a very approachable way. Mm. So I'm kind of curious because it's like a lot of it's just how we're approaching plating it, and um, just how we're presenting it. And also the vehicle for it is like kind of approachable and sort of like it's kind of like the Trojan horse maneuver where you're like, yeah. you love this cut, yeah, and it's got this flavor profile. And also it's interesting too with things like funk or like a specific type of like you know, spice level. It's like people get addicted to it and then they just have to come back to you. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite place to eat in New York that isn't Diondi? Mm. Where do I, where do we go back to a lot? Um, recently, I don't know. You know, the place I, I think the place Ollie and I always want to eat the most is that uh, Los Tacos place in Chelsea Market. Oh, Really? Dude, they're all pastor is really the, good. Well, yeah, like <sighs> And this this is not a taco town. This is not a taco town. And I've I've tasted some really confusing al pastor, man, in my day. Have you been to this one? No, I have not. All right. So it's kind of a pain in the ass to go to Chelsea Market. Yeah. That's so an emotional it's, experience. It's a bit it's a bit of a there's a, you know, there's a time price and then there's just a price of like getting into there, like, you know, just dealing with all those people. You have but, to decide that you're doing that. But those tacos are real good. Okay. And um I think that's my, I want to eat that all the time. Fair. What is your favorite place to eat in Texas? Oh, in Texas. You know, I guess it's going to be in Houston. You know, it's, it's just going to be a uh, Vietnamese sandwiches at Don's on, uh, on Bel Air. Solid. It's solid, man. You know, every time I go back to Houston, I'll bring back like a dozen bun me. And then they, they, they stay very well. Um, they stay very fresh in the fridge for a very long time. So I'll eat it for like three weeks. <laughs> um, but they're just so, they're so fucking good. And there's no really good bun me here either yet. There isn't where it's like got that good funk, that sort of head cheesy sort of like. Yeah, well, yeah that a lot of it's just the livery. bread. Oh, that too. Sometimes the bread here is so large. Dude, it's, it's all about just um, nobody makes Vietnamese bread here. Yeah. So what is your favorite breakfast to make for yourself when you're like, taking care of yourself uh recently it's been savory oatmeal 
I love savory oatmeal. Yeah, so yeah. like when you have a lot of stock on hand, it's just so easy to make savory oatmeal with like a uh, soft soft poached yeah, egg. Yeah, like an onsen egg on top yeah, with some Maggie sauce. Poo. <laughs> um, it's just so it feels very nourishing, and it's like it's got to be good for you, I guess. It's yeah, and also than, it's reassuring. Yeah, and then you know just like a soft egg. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to making those in the winter. Yeah, me too. So. Is there an off-menu thing at D&D that you can order that you care to tell our listeners about? Um, you know, there's no, there's no like real secret menu, but I will say that you know, if you ask for like, hey, is there is the kitchen making anything? Like, um, like what what are they working on? Um, I bet you we always have an extra. We always have like a million versions of them around. So like, I you know, that's a really good tip. Yeah. So like you know. Because I, I just think about all the stuff that we have in the in the walk-in right now that we're using for R&D. I'm just like, I can't feed family this. There's, you know, this is a lot of, you know, it's a lot of beef. They don't deserve all this beef, you know? So, um, so we, should, we should probably try to sell it off or something. Yeah, totally. The R&D at D&D. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, that's the other fun part of uh, owning the restaurant because, like, I can, we can just do these dumb things that no other restaurant would do, to, but, like, the, the great part about the cooks is, like, everybody's down to do whatever. So you guys are really having fun. Yeah, dude. It's super fun. Um, I feel so blessed that it's so much fun. Because, like, otherwise, it, we I would be so burned out and dead. Because what's the point? Like, yeah, dude. It's, it's, the hours are pretty brutal. And, um, you know, you're away from your loved ones. It's really, like, you're, you're leading an opposite life a lot of times. So, you know, there is a, there's definitely a huge personal price. But um, it is so much fun. And do you guys like all hang out with each other? Is like that culture like super? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's been a lot of late night hangs after work. Um, yeah, you know that's that's pretty pretty standard for the restaurant industry. A lot of late night camaraderie. You know, we've uh, we've established like our after you know after work bar. Which what is it? It's you know it's Ramona Bar around the corner. Um, they're super nice. There's one bartender in particular, and he knows who he is. Um, <laughs> you know, he's just, he's introduced us to some wild things going, you know, wild after hour things. It's, All right. Yeah. It's super fun. It sounds hella legal. Yeah. No, no, totally <laughs> not. It's totally fine. You know, it's, it's wholesome, but yeah, I, I really miss that kind of like camaraderie of like, you know, drinks taste much better after you like work together as a team doing something. Well, right. I mean, you guys just went to war together. Yeah, It's like literally it's, uh. You know, I never played, you know, I never played a professional sport, but like it feels like I'm playing like with the team and I'm playing a professional sport. I think that's what that's what cooking really is. It's it's like a team sport. No, totally. So um, I can only imagine that's what it feels like to play in a team sport. But like I so like for whatever reason, just like, yeah, you do get that rush and you get that collective rush together, especially on a busy night. And then it's just like when you drink, it, you feel like, oh, I earned this. Do you love the people you work with? I mean, I, yeah, definitely. You have to, man. You spend so much time with these people. Um, yeah, and I'm, I've told them this. Like, <laughs> You're like, yeah. catch me in an emotional moment yeah. and I will tell them. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've told all of them I, this at some point, yeah. So what are a couple of qualities that someone who wants to do what you do um, should have in order to be successful at this? Uh, you, you know, a thirst for knowledge. Um there, you know, I think that's the other great part of cooking. There's always something to learn. Um, you know, so like it, it's only going to go as far as you take it. So like if you're constantly thinking about it, if you're at home watching YouTube videos about it during your downtime, you know, like, and you're just like immersing yourself in it. Um, I think that that's good. That can mask a lot of technical deficiencies or just not having a particular skill set, you know, just putting your all into it i think just the effort you know just putting effort good effort forward so it's like as with everything yeah you know i think that's really the key um to anything in life uh, but you know very applicable for a kitchen and what do you do for self-care that's um, my that's my last question you know like uh I, I smoke a lot um you know i think that really for me i need to smoke just to like unwind after work because there's so much adrenaline coursing yeah, through Yeah, dude. You. So like, you know, I don't even know how it would be if I did not smoke, um, you know, if I, if I didn't, you know, just because like, it'd just be so diff. I, it would take forever for me to like unwind so I could go to bed. When did you start smoking? 
not too long ago. Yeah, you're like, I need this now. It's a- around like when I when we uh, opened Enchai. So mm. like it was like eight years ago. Yeah. Um, but just like the, just the it just was such a nice. Uh, it was just so relaxing. It's true. Yeah. Are you high strung normally? No, I you know I don't know. I guess that depends on who you ask, but I, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm pretty chill. Well, thank you so much. I know how freaking busy you are to come in and talk to me about this. Of course, uh, really enjoy it. It's super fun. Thank you. Bye, Dennis. I'm in love with my life.